As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to What is America to You? Um, I'm your host, Derek Dempsey. And before we start the show, we'd like you to, to subscribe to our channel, What is America to You, on YouTube. Give us a like, and after the show, you can um, maybe make some comments on, on how you felt about the show and the topics. So, uh, our first guest on our first show is uh, a great balladeer from County Cork in Ireland. Um, I've only known Roy a while, but he's a real nice guy. And his single, The Old Man on Patrick Street, is number two in the Irish download charts. Now, uh, Roy has also been um, nominated for a Grammy in October, so we're obviously delighted for him and we hope he wins it. Um, he's also going to be releasing a new single very soon. We haven't got a date on it yet, but we will keep you posted. So, without further ado, welcome Roy Buckley to What's America to You. Hey, hi Derek, how are you keeping? Great. Is that the king of Times Square I'm looking at? <laughs> well, I'm I'm the king of Times Square in exile. <laughs> you know, um, they've they've I caught one of your gigs. I caught <laughs> one of your gigs there one time, um, a couple of years ago, maybe maybe two or three years ago. Um, the Diddley Idols, uh, Dave Barco and Louise brought me to um see one of your shows, and you had them in the palm of your hand. You were brilliant. Ah, oh, cheers. Thanks. Thanks. That's great coming from you, Roy. Thanks a lot. But listen, we believe me, I could talk about that all day, but I want to talk about you. <laughs> okay. Firstly, um, I love your song. I, I, you know, I was when I first downloaded it, I downloaded it to support you. Then I listened to it. Oh, man. Then I listened to it. And I listened to it on repeat. And I, I walked the nights, especially in this weather with the dogs around where I live. And um, I, I was listening to it over and over again. And some of the phrasing, man. I, I mean, I, I, I bore people if I talked about the phrasing, but I particularly love the end where you, where you talk about seeing just a whiskey bottle. I get shivers. Brilliant. Yeah. That's great. Now, uh, I, I might have already asked you this, but nobody else heard this, heard this conversation. What was the inspiration? I mean, we, did you see this old man every day when you were going to the studio or going back and forward? Or was it just an overall feeling and you used him as, as a subject? Well, yeah, he's he's a fictional character, but um, I've been asked uh, that question a lot recently. Obviously, with the with the song doing so well, but um, probably one of the main uh, images of that was I I remember when I was about seventeen, I had a summer job because I was still in school, but you know, in the three months off, I got a summer job. They were redoing um, 
St. Patrick Street and Oliver Plunkett Street in uh, in Cork City. And I was labouring, you know, carrying blocks and doing all that kind of thing. And uh, my brother Dean was also working on the same building site. So we went up on our lunch break. We would go up to a, a park in the middle of Cork City called um, Bishop Lucy Park. And we would sit there and eat our lunch. And this old man used to come in almost every day with holes in his clothes and everything, you know, uh, kind of, you know, living rough like. And uh, he'd go up and he'd drink out of the fountain. I, you know, I just thought that was one thing that was stuck with me for ages. I, I couldn't get over that. And of course, uh, homelessness is a big thing in Ireland, but it's beyond Ireland as well. You'd always see guys in doorways and everything. And uh, the message in the song really is um, no, nobody starts out in life to end up living on, on a street, you know. So in, in the case of the old man on Patrick Street, he had a story, but nobody seems to want to listen to him about it, you know, because... You know, nobody wants to stop and talk to him, you know? So it's kind of a lonely existence, really, you know? Yeah, so to, real to, answer, to answer your question, though, it's not about any guy in particular. To be honest with you, I didn't think I had the, the right to be documenting someone else's life, you know what I mean? So I made him a fictional um, fictional character. Well, you, you managed to make a very, you know, it's like, let's say, David Bowie uh, with uh, Major Tom. Not a real character, but you brought life to it, which is a real... You know, it's a pivotal moment for a songwriter. It's a strange thing because I, I just, just uh, only like last week, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I get messages and stuff from people asking me about the song, and a lot of people say, hey, I, I know that guy, and he, you know, some person in America would message me and say, I know that guy, because they can see him, some guy on the street where they live, you know, and that's great. Like maybe the next time that uh, they pass that guy, they might throw him a few dollars, you know, or they might. Do something to try and shed some light on the on, on the crisis. I would call it, you know. So what you what you did there was you personified homelessness in the shape of you know it's it's the great old Irish tradition of storytelling. Yeah. Again, it's not just Ireland, but on on the homeless homelessness. A lot of people throughout my life I've noticed. For instance, when I was growing up, I remember my parents. We'd walk around town, walk over the Hapney Bridge, Grafton Street, mm -hmm. whatever. And they never would pass a homeless person without coming to us afterwards saying something like, I feel sorry for that person in the weather. Yeah. My mother would say that every night. I feel terrible for that. And I'd see her crying. So yeah. my, both of my parents were very, very empathetic. And mm -hmm. then you get the other end of the spectrum of people who would almost spit at them. And there's, there's a severe lack of empathy. And I think that they're, not to sound like an old fogey, but there's a severe lack of empathy seems to be happening more and more with each generation. Now, of course, we... We raised mm -hmm. that generation, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But anybody who's, you know, poking fun or worse to, uh, at somebody like that, I mean, that goes beyond ignorance, you know? That, that, that's just, uh, that's wrong on, on, on no matter what level you look at it from, you know? that, that that's, You can't be... I, I remember hearing these stories too, where, like, guys were, like, you know, kicking a homeless guy asleep on the street. Or those, I mean, like... Who the hell do you think you are to do that to somebody, you know? What's in the brain at that moment? What? And it has to be, I believe it's all to do with what you learn from your parents. There's no doubt your parents weren't kicking homeless people. They weren't going to get a job. They were, they were probably doing what my parents did and giving them something. Because my ma used to have this saying, and I'm not religious at all. I'm actually non-religious. My, my ma used to say, there go I, but for the grace of God. And yeah. as I grew older, I would say, well, there go I, but for the grace of nature or fortune or happenstance, you know? And that's yeah. it. So, so that's that's why I love the song because you you really I can see that man and and at the end of the song when you see the whiskey you just feel like oh 
Yeah, well, look, the thing is, um, especially in today's world, Derek, like, I think a lot of people think that um, they're not exactly a million miles away from that because one bad fall and you, it could be yourself, you know, on the street is what I mean. So, um, 100%. And no. that's why I think it's such a great a great topic, especially for our first show, because it's it's a germane subject to an extent that we're not going to divide people. The majority of people are just, I wouldn't like to be on, on the streets. I wouldn't like to have to beg. It's something we more or less all agree on. You'd want to be yeah. some type of sociopath to think, I'm glad to see people homeless, you know? Uh, but yeah. it's, an issue, it's an issue all over the world, there's no doubt about it. And we, we, you see the cost of living since the economic crash in 2008, the cost of living has gone up versus what you earn. So you're right. It's it's only a, a hop and a skip and a jump away. This is it, you know. So uh, I know we started off very morbid now. But, right, let's uh, get to a serious, let's but, get to a happy subject. But you're right, you know. Um, like, we, it is something that should be spoken about. And, and maybe what I just said there like, is the reason why it isn't spoken about enough because it does draw people down. You know, it's a, it's a sad topic. You know, to be speaking about, but it it certainly is something across the world that needs to be looked at. You know, it needs to yep. be, you know, you, needs to be done about it. You hit the nail on the head. It make it, people don't want to talk about things that bring them down and that can affect them themselves, mental mm -hmm. illness, homelessness, and stuff. But listen, to really lighten it up, before we we're going to actually show a video in a second or two, but to really lighten it up, we have a pet flea that's a mascot, and I I hold him on this little perch. I don't know if you can see him or not. Can you? Tiny now. <laughs> Now, we're looking for the name because we only found the flea the other day. And we, this is a, you know the way an eagle would land on your, on your hand? Well, we designed this perch. So he's on there right now, but you probably can't see him with the naked eye. But we're looking for a name. So anybody that's watching, I mean, I don't think Roy would sue this. Roy the flea doesn't sound right. Freddy the flea is too typical. Maybe people who are watching, they could put some comments in there for the name of the flea. Mm. Anyway, so I'm going to put it back on. Uh, Jessica made this stand called Thy Holy Flea Perch. So I'm going to put it back here, safe, and it has its own home. All right, Roy, we're going call to show him, a call video. Colin Moses. Colin Moses. Moses, I like that. There, there, there's, but, one, there's one, Jessica. Moses sounds good. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's Ezekiel. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they have the flea as well, didn't they? Out of uh, Egypt. <laughs> they, have to, they have to flee. I was thinking as he got. Anyway, um, we're going to show a video uh, of Roy singing. It's a great video of him singing a song with the great Richard Thompson. And the song is called Bees Wing. I was 19 when I came to town. They call it the summer of love. There were burning babies, burning flags, the hawks against the dove. I took a job in a steamy way down on Caldrum Street Fell in love with a laundry girl who was working next to me Brown hair zigzagged around her face and a look of half surprise Like a fox caught in the headlights there was animal in her eyes She said to me, oh can't you see, I'm not the factory kind If you don't take me out of here I lose my mind oh, She was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind Might take her away She was a lost child She was running wild She said so long as there's no price on love I'll stay You wouldn't want me any other way 
We posked round the market towns, fruit picking down in Kent. We could tinker pots and pans and knives wherever we went. We were camping down the gower once, and the work was mighty good. She wouldn't wait for the frost. I thought we should. I said to her, we'll settle down and get a few acres, dog, a fire barn. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Running in the heart and babies on the road She said, oh man, you foolish man That surely sounds like hell You might be lord of half the world You'll not own me as well Oh, she was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind Might take her away She was a lost child She was running wild She said so long as there's no price on love I'll stay You wouldn't want me any other way We were drinking more in those days And our tempers reached the pitch Like a fool I left her run away When she took the rambling itch And the last day hard she's living rough Packing the derby beat A bottle of white horse In her pocket a wolf hound at her feet And they say that she got married once To a man called Romany Brown Even a gypsy's caravan was too much like settling down They say her rose has faded, rough weather and hard boots Maybe that's the price you pay for the chains that you refuse Oh, she was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing And I miss her more than ever words can say If I could just taste all of her wildness now If I could hold her in my arms today I wouldn't want her any other way If I could hold her in my arms today I wouldn't want her any other way
And that was Roy Bulkley singing Richard Thompson's Bees Wing. Bees Wing, isn't it? Bees Wing. Uh, from Bees. Fleas to Bees. That's what we went from Fleas to Bees. <laughs> it's like an animal tamer show. Uh, they're easy pets to keep, though. Um, you know, Roy, I saw uh, Richard Thompson has a great way of introducing the songs, doesn't he? When he's about to sing them. Thompson's amazing, but just unbelievable musician and beautiful songwriter, you know. You ever I'd seen the video where he, where he changes the string? And he talk, talks to the audience where he's changing the broken string. I didn't see that. What's that? Oh, I can't. It's back in the 70s. I think he might have been a bit jarred too when he's a bit of a drinker, was he? He changed the string as he was doing, as he was uh, singing. He, he broke at the start of the song and it's like, oh, fuck, he goes. And then he goes, anyway, <laughs> and he's changing it. But he's talking all about the sound of a change. And he was, in, he was bringing them into it and they were cracking up laughing. Small little audience really? in England, you know. But anyway, uh, um... There's a good entertainer, you know. Even even when you're changing the string, you're able to keep him keep him there. Uh, Richard, Richard Thompson is amazing. I love um, "Down with the Drunkards." Roll is another good one he wrote. You know, and anyway, yeah, you could talk about his songs for ages. He's a lot of great ones. Well, what you said about being an entertainer is true. If you if you I, you know I I think I often talk about professionals. You're great. Professionals are a certain level, but a real professional is Trump, somebody who can troubleshoot on the fly. In a battle mm. conditions, and that's obviously he's one of those greats, you know. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, speaking of entertaining, you you come over here, I think maybe two or three times a year and tour. And your last one was the whole Paddy's thing. You're supposed to play Las Vegas with the Black Donnellys on Paddy's night, and I know you were coming up to New York, and I probably would have seen you up there. But yeah. where were you when you were told it's all cancelled because of the COVID? Um, I, I was, I was, I was, I was in two two nights into the tour. <laughs> I just, got, I know, I just got to America, and uh, everything went wrong. Yeah, so I did two nights in um, in Redwood in California, and then I had to fly out of San Francisco. I was, I was told, you know, that as you said, the Black Donnellys. I, I was supposed to play a few nights, about a week, I think, in, in Vegas as well, and um, their movie came out, um, an Irish story. This is my home. And uh, you know, there's a lot of us in the movie for little parts and everything. So it would, yeah, it would have been. Uh, man, maybe it's just as well. <laughs> I didn't get to do that. <laughs> that is nice. In the Vegas. Would have been a tour that killed you. <laughs> yeah. Here lies Roy Buckley. Uh, um, so you flew back, and and was it? What was the flight like? I know it sounds like a mad question, but was it packed? Was it empty? Was it? No, you talking? see, it was, it was still only kind of them. Um, I don't think anybody really knew the severity of it at that stage. It was it was starting to become um, scary. You know, people were like, "Get home now!" Dave Brown rang me from um, from Vegas and said, "Some of the Irish bands are heading back to Ireland. I think you should look at getting out of here." So um, a lot of hassle trying to get a flight, and I had a friend in um, Aer Lingus who uh, managed to get me on a flight eventually out of um, San Francisco. So. Um, you know, I always try and turn negative things into a positive as much as I can anyway. So I remember being on the flight and I had the Wi-Fi for the, the plane journey. And I was thinking this was like the, the 15th of March. And you know me now for the ballads and the Irish folk songs. I was like, fuck that. I'm not having Paddy's Day without a, some sort of session, <laughs> you know. So uh, my buddy Bernard got on to me and says, I, I put up a status in the air somewhere over the Atlantic, um, saying, uh, I'm thinking about doing a live gig, Roy Buckley's Virtual Irish Pub, and uh, contacting my buddy Barnard. He says, do it in my house. He's a bar at the back of his house. So 
set up the thing and I, I was doing it just to kind of give people some sort of a a release really because like this was before the tip jar thing no and all that I was very apprehensive about putting up a tip jar I just wanted to do the thing see it's different in Ireland we don't have the tipping culture but in, in America of course it's everywhere you know so I didn't, I didn't want to do that so I was literally just doing the gigs for I, I spent about three weeks doing Wednesdays and Saturdays just online taking requests and whatever but it all kicked off on Paddy's night and since since then I've been doing it every Wednesday and Saturday and the the positive thing that came out of it was um when when the single came out I had all these people in Japan and Europe and all over America and stuff waiting for it so it kind of in a way and you know I saw you were doing live stuff as well everyone was doing every entertainer I know was doing some sort of yeah. online uh, performance to, to uh, you know just I suppose stay sane in a way you know I love entertainment I love singing I love the thing I miss most is the energy in the room you know to be, that's the key you and, know and I miss it I, Roy sorry to interrupt you but that's the key the that's energy right. and it's like you know the reason why people have live music is Recorded music in a venue, a bar, a restaurant is not aware of its audience. So it, yeah. can, it, cannot, it can't play for the audience. It can't read an audience. It's just, it doesn't matter if Bohemian Rhapsody is playing or the Greenfields of France. It's unaware of its audience. That's an obvious statement, but it's so obvious it's not thought about. Yeah, well, going back to what I said to you there, I forget the name of the venue that, um, that the Diddley Idols brought me to see you play. But... You know, you would. I watched you because I remember Dave Barco saying to me, "This guy is one of the best at at performing, putting on a show." And uh, I was watching you, like you would just roll that whatever happened in the room, and you made it funny, or you'd run with it, you do took the requests and all that. But that to me was brilliant. Now that's because you're standing there with a guitar and doing your thing. You're able to stop and run with something spontaneously, you know, and. Yeah. That's cool, you know. Like to me, that's an entertainer who's able to, and it doesn't matter if it's a pub or a theater. Do you know, like in, in the theater, if I don't know, if somebody drops a glass and it smashes, and you know, in the silent thing, if the entertainer turns around and says something funny, it can Smashing. make the audience feel comfortable. And yeah, there's something, you know. Just, I'm just trying to think of examples on the spot, but I just, I think you have to have that, and I think the only way you can get that. Is through experience as well, you know. I remember like, going out doing my first couple of gigs when I was teenager on my own, and I still sing with my eyes closed. But you know, you you wouldn't even you you barely introduce a song. You're just trying to you know, and somewhere along the line, you become so comfortable that you know you you'll do a lot of talking or you'll introduce something properly or you'll do whatever. But I think that comes with experience, you know. And you certainly have that anyway. I would say that about you. You're right. It's experience, right? And what do they say? You have to do 100,000 hours of, of anything to be really good at it. But it's when, it's when you... If, if you fall, you know, or your guitar drops or your, your voice cuts out. I mean, if somebody comes up and grabs you by the... On the stage, you know, you just got to keep going. Whereas if you were 16, you might be, oh, geez, what's going on? But it is. You were charging. I should have watched it after that, man. <laughs> Whatever the... Or backwards, um, you know. Uh, oh, I'm sure we could talk. It's funny. Uh, I I said to Jessica when we were starting this, I don't want people to really know that I'm an entertainer. Well, sorry about that, man. <laughs> no, it's great because you know nobody's going to listen to this when they see it's me anyway. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it's funny. 
I, I can't separate that. That's what's what I am. I'm an entertainer like yourself. Well, like Derek, even, even you sitting down here doing an interview, you're fucking entertaining. You know, <laughs> so you're not, not, not going to get away from it. I suppose you know? so. Um, I know you probably have your own reasons for doing that now, but I'm just telling you, it's it's not. You 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 send me uh, audio messages on um, on Messenger, and you're even doing the entertaining thing in that. You can't go a sentence without saying something <laughs> funny or doing something. Yeah. I just, know, it's, it's in you. It's, it's in you. I'm, I'm not, it's not that I'm thinking I'm going to be entertaining. I suppose I'm always just trying to have a fucking laugh. It's you know? just so. It's probably the Irish thing as well, you know. Absolutely, and don't get me started about that. We're always having a laugh because we spent a thousand years making sure that we didn't do the wrong thing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thing under yeah. the foot of the British, because, you know, did you ever hear, did your mother or aunt or grandmother ever tell you, take your hands out of your pockets, Roy? Has that ever said to you much? Uh, yeah, especially in school, man. You get that in school, take your hands out of your pockets. The only reason for it was because there was a law, and I, I'm going to make sure I get, if I have Derek Warfield and I'll ask him to verify this, he's an expert. Oh, but the law was, if you had your hands in your pockets, a British soldier could assume that you had a weapon and shoot you dead. So that's why mothers told them, don't have your hands in your pockets, you know. But we spent so long tipping the hat to the British. It's the same in the, in the African-American culture. It's the same to an extent in the Jewish culture, although that went a different way because within two years they had Israel. Without mm-hmm. getting too political, but it's we are, we us Irish are, are a product of our arrested development and a thousand years of occupation. Would you like to respond? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, and look at you know, you've got your hands in, you've got your hands in someone else's pocket. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. Um, but you're right, yeah, look, I, I get that sometimes. I'll be giving the history of the songs and stuff at, at whatever gig, and you might get someone saying, oh, you sing a fucking happy song. Well, I go, well, yeah, 800 years of fucking shit, man. Isn't, there's not many happy songs coming out of that, you know? You know, um, I, 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 have, I often get people saying to me, uh, do something upbeat, and you don't have to already do you know, something breakneck speed. But it's interesting yeah. what you said there, do something happy after so many years. I always say that Irish people have this ability to be absolutely miserable and happy at the exact same time. At the exact same time. Nobody else in the world has that. Maybe, how, do you, how do you mean? How do you mean? Um, Give me an example. Like, normally, you know, if, you, if you're laughing, I don't think it, when, one, when a person's laughing, something happens in our brain that we're not able to think of bad thoughts. It's right. impossible. You can't, you can't have that. But I think Irish people, it's like we have wakes. Like when my dad died and we, we buried him, we were all having laughs and jokes. And I sang my way 
a cappella by his coffin at the crematorium, at the, at, at the temple, wherever it was. It was a non-denominational, whatever. And I was going to, my mother, I was going to, I was going to, and the second verse, I was going to go, Shrub Das, my song. And everybody would have cracked up laughing. But yeah, the reason yeah. I didn't do it was because I was actually too close to tears. But we were, yeah. we were laughing more often than not. And that's why we have those wakes. Uh, mm. You know, Pete O'Toole, when he had the wake, he had, him, he had anybody sitting up in a chair during the wake. Mm. But I, I, I guess I'm not explaining what I mean. No, you are, because I know exactly what you mean. Oh, you um, yeah, there was something jumped into my head as you were saying that. Uh, I'm sure Dave Brown won't mind me saying this because he often said it live on stage, but I remember Dave Brown's mother's funeral and uh, he was after asking me to sing um, Dublin the Railroad Times as, and all that now as, as she was going out and Sharon O'Brien was going to sing uh, the parting glass, so, you know, the, the Dublin thing and all that. Like So um, Dave was after playing a piece of music, changed the tuner and the guitar and didn't bother fucking telling me. So... I go, I go up, I go up to do the parting glass with Sean O'Brien to pick up the guitar and strum it. Boom! <laughs> and I just looked over at him, <laughs> and, I, and he looked back at me, and he was roaring, laughing, like trying to hold it in at his mother's funeral. And of course, he loved his mother and everything. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? But it was just maybe it was just you know he read the situation. He went, "Oh fuck, Bucko's gonna go up and pick up the guitar and not know it." So, so he was waiting for it, you know, and like. It was just, it was funny, like, and it, it kind of lightened the mood a little bit, of course, like, because, you know, everyone who kind of gammed onto it. And then I had to stand there and retune it while the whole church is looking at it. You know? There's nothing as bad under normal circumstances, right, Jessica? Having to tune your guitar live, oh, but at man, a funeral. No. You know, you have, this, yeah. this is why I love talking to you, Roy. I, I, uh, when my dad died, I was still here. And I, we, it was six o'clock, I was ready to do a gig. And I got a call to say, you know, your dad, dad's dead. So I called and uh, my ma was there at the place where he died and all the family around the light was low. My dad was lying in the bed. Mm -hmm. And the camera went around the room, you know, was it like this? And my ma said to my younger brother, Carl, come here, shine that camera on your father. And the camera went right to my dad, face dead. My ma says, now you know what you look like when you're dead. <laughs> and we were all dying laughing, but in bits. I got a gift of a book. Uh, my cousin Katrina every Christmas gives me a fucking stupid book, uh, you know, just a thing. And I got a book. I'm sure it's over there somewhere. A um, hundred things to do after you're dead. <laughs> and I'm like, she purposely goes out of the way to find them. Like I got a, I don't know. She also gave me the ginger survival kit. Um, first thing, yeah. Got a, <laughs> you're, you're not. She, you're not a full like. A blaring ginger. You've got to touch a brown in the like, red. Oh, you? I'm actually pissed off about it because it used to be more ginger when I was younger. So I went through the whole mocking phase and now it goes dark. That's not fair at all. No, it's not fair. Because <laughs> even if you want to go to therapy about it, they'll go, you're not a real fucking ginger. Get out. <laughs> but yeah. um, we're, go we're going to show a video and I do believe that this video is um, of you singing a live version of The Old Man on Patrick Street. Okay, we're going to show you a video of Roy with a mate of his. I don't know his mate's name, but by the time the video is over... It's Kieran O'Loughlin. Kieran O'Loughlin. And this is Roy singing a live version of The Old Man on Patrick Street.
That was Roy Buckley and Kieran. Can't remember his last name. Doesn't matter because Roy's our man right now. Uh, live versus the old man and Patrick Street. Brilliant. Couple of things about that. One, I, I judge a singer and an artist by if they can do something in a studio, and they sound like the same singer live as a studio. That to me is a real singer. Roy's a real singer. Secondly, it's such a such a beautiful melody, and um, I, I heard the, the applaud at the end. You can, you can really hear where the audience are responding to the subject, and I'm not going to get back into the subject of homelessness, but you can check that video out. We'll put a link later on for you. Uh, and once again, I'm going to ask you this only three times in each show. Could you sus subscribe to our channel, What Is America To You? Okay, so back to Roy. Uh, Roy, we're coming kind of close to the end of the show, but um, there was a thing called the Marcel Proust questionnaire, the Proust questionnaire, and uh, there was a French talk show host who used to do at the end of his show. It was originated from when uh, Marcel Proust was at like a dinner party and some other person who had devised the questionnaire asked him and his answers were very famous. Now, I'm, I have a mix between this and the Dempsey questionnaire, so I've devised my own. Do you remember James Lipton in the actor's studio? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he used to great. ask it, right? So mine is, mine is uh, more My favourite huh? favorite was one Will Ferrell... Uh, did you see that where where Will Ferrell used to used to act uh, James Lipton you know, out? Should we see him him doing it where Will Ferrell dresses up as gold? Yeah. Anyway, do I have to answer these in French? If you want to, <laughs> see if you play. <laughs> They're written in Hebrew. They were, okay. they, they were written by Moses. Okay. <laughs> right. So listen, um, I, I designed this questionnaire for. There's some more tablets in there. There has to be. Do I? There has to be some joke in there about tablets, doesn't there? Uh, probably. Well, I'm, I'm kind of on a tablet. But then Moses kind of... more tablets or something, didn't he? This turned into a fucking religious thing, didn't it? Why am I keep on about Moses, but <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I'm, what, I'm basically somebody who doesn't believe in any gods or any religion. So I'm, that not, would... religious. I don't, I'm not religious either. <laughs> no, no, no. But, so I'm, I would be an atheist, but we are, we are culturally... Catholic. We were raised in a Catholic country. We oh, yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah. We know more about the Bible than most most we people. Like me. The, well, I think me and you waited till we got our confirmation money, and then we gave it up. <laughs> and and the, and the tin of fruit. I wanted to look well, you know. All right. So this is kind of designed for people who have an affiliation with America, whether it's like you, you tour here, or yeah. people who lived here. So the the first question is. Um, well, actually, this question, you haven't emigrated yet, so... But what album or song do you most associate with your first time in America? Oh, um... Album. Born in the USA, I'd say oh, Springsteen. Great, great. Next question. How much money did you have the first time that you came here on tour? Oh, oh I don't know. I, I, um, I had a couple of grand. Oh, but, yeah, uh, posh bastard, yeah. I know, man, I know I was going to Vegas, like, so... Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. My, true story. Myself, myself and Dave Brown 
I keep bringing up Browner as well, but every time I go to America, I'm always seem to be around him, and he's a legend. So he had been over and back to Vegas. This is before they emigrated, and um, so <laughs> he brought me in through Mandalay Bay and, and everything. And uh, it was my first time in Vegas, and you know, all the lights and the big massive thing, and the, the and uh, I remember walking through the casino floor with Browner, and all the machines are going off and all that. And he said, "Well, we're here now." trying to sit down and uh, play. So I said, yeah, yeah. So we sat down and put, a, I don't know, $20 into the, the one-armed bandits. And about four rows over, I swear this is true, about four rows over, this guy says, whoa, I just won $15,000. Me and Bruno couldn't get enough money into the machine. <laughs> two, of us lost, two of us lost 1,500 quid each the first night I was ever in Vegas. So... Yeah, and so I went there with money, but I didn't have any money pretty fast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, next that's, question. Um, the, when you come to America, you know that your accent is strong and you have to switch it up a bit to be understood. Are there, any, are there any words that you pronounce now that you're back in Ireland that people will say, Jay, that sounds very American, or have you not had that? I might say something else, like... Um, if I do a five-week trip in America, I, I could come back and say something like um, the hood of a car instead of the bonnet. Or bonnet. I could say, you know, those kind of ones. Like, And then in Ireland, of course, your friend's going to go, oh, look at your man with the fucking twang. It's you know? unreal. <laughs> I tell you. I was away for five oh, weeks, man. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. You know? Okay, next yeah. one. Um, are you, do you read a lot, Roy? Yeah, I would, yeah. What was the last? Not, not a lot, like... Hi. What was the last book you read? Uh, I got a gift from Phil Coulter of his new book, Bruised Never Broken. Right. And I love what Phil Coulter said about you. He said you were the last of the great balladeers. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. I'm actually meeting him this week. I'm going to Dublin on um, on Thursday to um, to do a few things with him. So he's, uh, yeah, he's a legend. Right, he is a He's a legend. We, we became friendly. He, um, he came and played some of my song collector sessions over the years, I think the, uh, 2014 was the first time he came down. He did four shows with me between Cork and Kerry, you know. I'm not sure if you're aware about my sound collector sessions or not. I am indeed, yeah. Yeah, so um, he came and did a few of them, and after that we, we, we were friendly and things. He pulls me in on his Christmas show every year and whatever. So, yeah, he's a real champion of mine, I have to say. He's a legend. And that's a great thing to have because he's the only Irish man that's ever written anything for Elvis Presley, my boy. Well, he's the only non-American to write a top five single for... Um, for um for Elvis and that, yeah my boy and uh, the funny about that he wrote that for Richard Harris the actor yes. they toured it in America and and Elvis heard it and the thing was like because uh, I asked Phil this he was on the podcast with us and I asked him um how did he end up pitching his song to Elvis and it turns out that they didn't pitch it at all Elvis heard it and wanted to do it and the, the great thing I thought for, you know, because it's all royalties and that kind of thing, and fellas would have gave away um, 80 or 90% of their song just to have Elvis do it. Um, he just, he, he didn't get anything from my boy because he just wanted to do it from himself. I thought that was, uh, I thought it was great for an Irish man to, to do that, you know. You're saying Phil Coulter never got rights to it? No, I'm saying Elvis never, or, or anyone never got anything from it. You know, like by the time a song would have gotten to Elvis, somebody would have been taking five percent here or ten percent there, oh, yeah. or just just before it even got to Elvis. What one thing would you like to see disappear from the world to make it a better place? Um, war. Brilliant. On anything. 
War on fucking anything. Whatever what the war on such a thing is, this fucking next five years and then to be something else, you know. Get rid of the whole thing. That's what I think. We're in a constant state of war. I don't know who said it, but somebody once said, there's no such thing as a bad peace and there's no such thing as a good war. I think it's a mm-hmm. great quote. War, you know, war. Bang on, 100% with you on that. Three more questions. Who's your favourite singer? Uh, <laughs> Who's your favourite singer and why am I? <laughs> uh, I have loads, though. That's a hard one to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give, can I answer it in different genres? Yeah, well, any way you want, you know. You can tell me to fuck off if you want to. I have to pick one. You can pick three. Three. Or in categories, anything you want. Oh, uh, well, well, okay. Well, obviously, Irish folk music is a big thing in my life, and uh, I have a lot of heroes there. Uh, Luke Kelly, um, uh, you know, Liam Clancy, and Finbar Fury, and fucking uh, Jim McCann, and Paddy Riley, and all them. They're all heroes of mine. Outside of that, I love, um, obviously, like Elvis is a legend. We mentioned him there. Uh, I love people like Billy Joel. I love people like, um, I, I, see, I love a lot of songwriters too, though. You know, and like, I love how um, Bob Dylan or Guy Clark or Albert Hammond or someone will write a song or, or deliver it, you know, um, and that doesn't, or Willie Nelson, you know, someone who mightn't have a massive range but I believe them when they say it. But I do, I, 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 there's so many, I, I couldn't possibly pick one. Right, I, I always pick Sinatra because it's just... Yeah, it's just like, like Sinatra. Like. That's a cover, you know. Okay, one, one more question. What is America to you, Roy? Um, uh, free would be a word. Um, accepting... Um, willing to want like like it's certainly a, a place where people like to see others succeeding you know what i mean they, they they get behind something you know they're um i'd say free for the more if i had to pick one word i think you're, you're allowed to be yourself or you're allowed you know um the land of opportunity and all that you know yeah. you, that is that is there you know right so listen roy uh before you go, we want to wish you the best of luck. Further success with The Old Man on Pasture Street. It's a class song. Secondly, you. when your new song comes out, we'll promote it here. Uh, but the most Thank important... You. Yeah, um, let us know. Keep us in touch. I know you will. No, no, it's cool, it's cool. So listen, the biggest thing of all is we, we, we know you're not going to be going over in October to see that you win the Grammys. You're going to be going over to pick them up. It's only a matter of formality. So... Would you make well, us a pro- I'm going to put you on the spot. Man. Make us a promise, Roy, that you'll come back on the show when you win the Grammy. <laughs> Can't say no now. I hope you're around in 50 years, man. Um, but, yeah, look, we, we, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, but when, when the ballad comes out in October, my song is in there somewhere, and we'll see what happens after that then, you know. So we could say that, to continue with our wordplay, we hope your ballot is on the ballot. Roy, listen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million for coming on our first show. We couldn't have asked for a better guest. And uh, Moses says, all right, mate. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to all you guys, yourself, Derek, and Jessica, and all the gang. I want to wish you all the best with your new show. And stay safe in New York over there, man. I know it was a hot spot for a while with all this going on. So I hope to see you in Times Square soon. You can take back over your crown when I'm gone. <laughs> okay. All right, then. From, from, uh, from the Big Apple... To the People's Republic. Oh, Roy, thanks. See you soon. Thanks, Roy.
Okay, that was Roy Buckley, the uh, great singer-songwriter from Ireland, currently number two in the Irish download charts with his great song, The Old Man on Patrick Street. He's a new single coming out soon. You heard him talking about that in the show. We will promote it on here. And, of course, he's going to come back on in October when he picks up the Grammys. Um, all right, that comes uh, close to the end of our show. Please give us a like and uh, subscribe to the channel, What Is America To You? Uh, we, we, we encourage comments, anything you want to say. I'm sure Roy will jump in if he's, if he's around and, and, and comment on anything. You can also follow any of uh, Roy's uh, songwriter sessions. We'll get those links in there. Uh, if you do comment, stay respectful, be kind to each other. It's too short of a life and too much madness in the world to be, uh, to be, to be unkind. So from me, your host, Derek Dempsey in New York, and from the woman that makes it all happen, the Renaissance woman, Jessica Clee, so for now, from me and Jessica, and from our show, What Is America To You, goodbye for now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.